thanks, Ken. And um, for the presentation today, I may be throwing out a lot of numbers, but we'll post kind of the high points in Discord later um, so you can uh, go back and review. Uh, one thing I want to stress is even though this the Inflation Reduction Act has been passed by and signed into law, there's still a lot of unknowns about it because the IRS needs to issue guidance and kind of tell us as tax preparers or citizens on really what these laws mean and how to work them. So just kind of throwing that out there as a disclaimer is there could be some minor changes, but overall we're going to talk about what the law says, but the IRS could issue guidance that kind of change it a bit. So there was about 22 major provisions in the act. Um, we're not going to go through all of those. Um, we're going to focus mainly on the residential energy efficiency property credit, the non-business energy property credit, um, the maximum out-of-pocket for Medicare beneficiaries, and then we'll spend some time on the credits for uh, vehicles, whether they're owned or brand new. So um, we'll kind of drop down there. Um, the main reason the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law by President Biden was to combat inflation through various tax provisions. Um, the main tax provision they think that will help flight inflation, according to the continued professional education courses and articles I've read, is that 15% book minimum tax on corporations. Um, but we'll, we'll see if that really comes to proficient. Um, but the act, and that's what we're going to focus on today, there was about $369 billion that was set aside for clean energy and energy security. So as of today, that's been the largest investment in climate in U.S. history. So those are kind of the provisions we'll focus on because those are the ones I think as investors in property you might be able to use. Um, again, kind of going over the health care one, um, they are putting like a maximum out of pocket for people on Medicare. Um, in the past, you'd spend about $7,000 and then stop to pay 5% um, of the medical bills going forward. Um, now that's capped. So once you hit your cap, you're no longer going to have to contribute paying a copay or any portion of those medical costs. So if that number is $7,050. Um, and then if you are on Medicare Part D, um, starting the year of 2025, pretty much once you hit that $2,000 out-of-pocket coverage, uh, the co-insurance is eliminated. So if currently you are in Medicare, once you hit that $2,000 spend on prescriptions, you shouldn't have to pay for um, a copay going forward. Um, currently, the Medicare Part D, you're paying 20% on the cost of brand name drugs and then 40% on generic drugs. So that, again, that will kind of all go away. Additionally, if um, you're needing insulin, um, that will be $35 per month under Medicare Part D. So again, there's Inflation Act, there is reduced spending and costs out of pocket for individuals with kind of those um, components. And that was a large part of the Inflation Act. Um, Going down to kind of more of the home energy efficiency credits, um, the non-business energy property credit. 
uh, is what we'll focus on right now. Um, prior to the IRA, uh, credit was available to individual taxpayers for non-business energy, property, place, and service prior to January 1st, 2022. That credit was equal to about 10% of the amount paid or incurred for qualified energy improvements. And there was a lifetime limitation on that credit. Um, with the new IRA law, um, they made the following changes to the non-business energy credit. Um, it expanded the credit to energy efficiency components placed in service before January 1st, 203030. So in essence, instead of it ending in 2022, they extended it about 11 years or 10 years. So until January 1st, 2033. Um, they increased the credit from that 10% to 30%. So they tripled that. So you'd be able to get more of a tax credit deduction. Um, it repealed the requirement that the residential energy property expenditure must be made with respect to the taxpayer's principal residency. So in the past, if you were to do some of these residential energy upgrades, um, it was required to be your principal residence. With this law, it repealed that test. So again, that's where we're gonna need the IRS to actually issue better guidance and really clarify that for us. But that could be a pretty uh, good credit for people that have rentals because it also repealed the lifetime credit limitation of 12,000 per year for expenditures on like windows, skylights, doors, et cetera, and those type of items. So um, if you're gonna have to put new windows or doors in in a rental property, in the past, you could write those off as expenses or capitalize them. But now you're going to be able to get a credit because the RA kind of took away that residential primary resident piece. So that could be a pretty good way to do some replacements and also get a credit to offset your taxes. Um, again, going over that, <clears throat> excuse me. If you want to pay for a home audit of your energy efficiency, those kind of about depending where you live, certain power companies do them for free or you can pay firms. Uh, you are able to claim $150 credit for doing that to get an audit of your home or a rental property um, based on what I've been told and read. But again, the IRS will need to confirm that. So kind of want to take a little break there because I threw a lot of information out. Does anyone have some questions regarding that? Yes, I do have a question regarding the upgrades or improvements. Uh, is that a credit you can get at the retail store or is that a tax ref, uh, credit in your tax return? Does it need uh, inspection from your city? So the, my understanding of this, and again, um, is you would need a receipt. And when you do take the credit, it'd be on your tax return. And you would need kind of the serial number or VIN number of the item that you purchased. And that would be put on your tax return. Okay. Do you know if they require inspection or it's just uh, you have a receipt and that's it? Again, I think receipt with the, the VIN or, or the serial number are, are, are the things I'm seeing that are the requirement on the, on the um tax return. I'm not seeing that an inspection is needed to verify that was bought and installed. Thank you. 
Yeah, I was curious, Pete, if you if you know from some of the green energy pieces, I'm not necessarily I'm not sure if it's actually part of this conversation or not. And if it's not, then then let's not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one one of the things I was talking to some guys that were in the green energy space, and they were telling me about how they were getting you know um, the investments they were making in the batteries, solar panels, and everything that they were doing with their properties um, gave them like a hundred percent write off uh, for the equipment. But then they were getting like extra like bonus uh, tax credits for like an extra like 50% above that. And so part of like their calculus and the properties had to do with those kinds of, of tax benefits. Um, is that, is that anything that you like you, you've seen much or know much about too? And does that relate at all to what we're talking about here today? Uh, today that when it, I wasn't going to cover that. I haven't heard where you get a hundred percent credit. Uh, most of the credits I'm seeing are like up to 30 to 40%. And it depends on the when you get the item in service and installed okay um, but there could be other um state depending on what state they're in there could be some credits going they're getting from the state not the just the federal act or even local companies could provide it but okay um maybe at some point uh we can get into a meeting with that like investor and, and take a yeah. look at that i'm into yeah. it too he's a, he's a current client so i think that'd be okay. kind of cool to look at I, I guess what, another question I was, I was kind of want to throw out to see if anybody had any opinions on it here in the group, if that's okay, is like, is the investments inside of having green energy in our properties um, useful to us as real estate investors? Like, do we see that like, hey, well, with rising energy prices, investing in some of these green initiatives with like these tax benefits, does that make sense for us um, to do, right? Because one way to look at that would say, well, Hey, it's just an extra expense to the property, um, but you know maybe maybe there's other like creative ways of looking at like well if I can save the money on the infrastructure of the energy and energy prices are going to go up, then now I can like include free energy uh, essentially in like bake that into the price of my real estate right because that's like an extra expense that that renter uh, doesn't have to to come up with and then I can recoup essentially become my own power company because my renter then is like buying all the power from the investments I made inside of the green energy. Does anybody have any feeling for that about like where energy prices are like headed to the future and, and thought about any of those ideas? I don't know if that was something maybe Chris that you had noodled around on and if anybody else has either. Uh, guys, I have a horrible Wi-Fi, but, uh, and so I'm not going to put my video on them and see if that's going to help. Um, I know that Matt ha- uh, Morgan has, has had uh, Margaret has had some really great ideas around this. Um, I mean, I could basically say some of the things that he does uh, and that I'm considering. But um, first of all, am I talking to you guys or is my voice? Yeah, we hear you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like talking to dead air. Um, uh, but I mean, one of the big ones is that you know, like I think it was said, you know, as an individual, you can get that thirty percent reduction on solar. But as a investor, you you can't. But if you, uh, I think one of the things that he's doing is he's creating an entity, uh, and within it, its own solar company, and uh, then getting the write off, the thirty percent write off, and leasing to his company that owns the rental property. Uh, therefore, he's getting the thirty percent write off, and then he's, I believe, selling, you know, putting the solar on himself, or, or he's got a crew that. Did Chris cut out for everyone else or? Yeah, he cut out. Yeah. I think 
I think he's referring to what I was talking to him about, but um, it sounds like from Pete's intro that this new Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you don't even need that separate entity anymore because you don't have to, you don't need that primary residence. Uh, essentially, you don't need to create an extra business because the primary residence uh, requirements going away so you can do this for rentals so you don't even need that extra step it sounds to me like did i get that right yeah matt that's what it it's reading as and people are explaining from the cpe and the deloitte conference i sat in on but again until the irs really hammers the details out i, I think we'd stick down the path you kind of are going but you may not need it yes okay do you know when the guidance might be coming? Like in the next six months or so? Um, historically, the range I've been given, it could be two months to a year. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does, I mean, that, that takes away a significant amount of overhead and, you know, having the extra yeah. LLC and all the rest of it. So might be worth waiting, but it, yeah. can you, can you point to the, that section or do you know that section that goes over that? Because I don't want to traipse through the entire thousand pages or whatever it is. Yeah, I can give you kind of a cliff notes and then um, tell you the the IRA code and so forth. Cool. So, yeah. Because one of the other changes was made in the uh, the REEP, R-E-E-P, which is Residential Energy Efficient Property Credit. So that's where it used to be 26% credit, but now it's up to 30 once right. you have property placed in service after December 31st, 2021. So anything placed in service today till the 12, 12 the end of 2032, you'd get that 30%. So, which is my assumption is it goes down to 26 and 22 then in the later years, but that will probably get renewed and extended. Yeah. And then, uh, Scott, your question might have been more on the um, kind of a commercial building credit. It might have been that, that's different side. than the residential. Okay. Because there was some laws. The, the IRA law did affect some of the commercial building depreciation rates and so forth. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know that they had something in there about a 40% rebate if you used certain uh, manufacturers that sourced local resources, but chances are those are going to be higher in price anyways. It probably offset it. But. Yeah, and for like larger companies that are trying to build um, full-scale batteries, solars, and so forth, there is hidden thresholds that have to be met. Like you have to hire a contractor or you you have to pay a prevailing wage, right? which interpretation is you have to have union employees. Um, certain but that's parts, only a million megawatt or something system. Correct. So On the big level, but the lower level, no. Right. Uh, that gets more towards the clean vehicle credit, and that's what we're going to jump into next. Um, if you were going to buy an electric vehicle, um, currently... Before the IRA, taxpayers could claim a credit for a new plug-in electric vehicle. The base amount of that credit was like $2,500 um, plus $417 for every kilowatt hour of capacity. 
excess of five kilowatts. So in essence, you could only get about $5,000 in credit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, now though, with the RA, you would be able to get up to $7,500 per new vehicle that you bought. So that credit is broken into two parts, which is 3750 is a credit for critical minerals requirement. And then you would get another 3750 if the battery met the component requirement. So we'll kind of get into a little more details on the critical minerals requirement. Um, pretty much what that's saying, it has to be extracted or processed in the United States or in a country in which the U.S. has a freight treatment, freight treat, free trade agreement in, or to get the minerals, it has to be recycled in North America. And those requirements do change on the percentage of the battery depending on the year. So 40% of the critical minerals need to be from one of those things I mentioned earlier up until 2024. And then every year it goes up about 10% to where finally in 2026, 80% of the critical minerals requirement has to be made in the US or processed or with a country that we have free trade with. So if you're buying a vehicle that doesn't have that, you're not gonna get that first 3,700 in credits. And then to get the remaining credit, that other 3,750, um, <clears throat> the final assembly must occur in North America. So um, the credit, has to be in essence assembled in North America, which most of the cars that are selling them here at least are assembled in North America. So it doesn't mean just America. So that is, that one will be pretty easy for everyone to get. Um, there's a few caveats though, um, to, the, to get the clean vehicle credit, um, you have to have a modified gross income uh, below certain thresholds. So, if you are married and filing jointly or a surviving spouse, your, your, MA, your modified adjusted gross income has to be under $300,000. Um, if you're head of household, it has to be under 225,000. And if you're single or filing as married, filing separately, your income, your modified adjust, adjusted gross income has to be $150,000 or less. So, kind of have to meet three requirements really. <laughs> but um, so when you go to look at this, you'll want to look at your MAGI MAGA to make sure you're get a qualify. Um, any questions on that? Um, again, I'll put this kind of in uh, your Discord channel so you can see. And one nice thing about the Inflation Reduction Act is it did limit it took away the limit of once 200,000 cars were sold by a manufacturer, they weren't able to get credits. Um, Tesla's, you weren't able to get credits because those were kind of named as companies you couldn't get these credits for, but going forward, you are able to. And then dropping down to individuals that already own an electric vehicle, um, they can sell those to the dealership or you can buy them from individually. And if you buy a second hand, um, previously owned clean electric vehicle, 
Um, this act allows you to get a $4,000 credit or 30% of the sales price, whatever one's smaller. So um, when you do buy a secondhand vehicle, you are able to get a credit for that. And it's 4,000 or 30% of the price, whatever is lower. Um, however, to claim this credit, your modified gross income is actually much less than if you buy new. So if you're married filing jointly, it's 150,000, not 300,000. Had a household is 112,000 and all other taxpayers 75,000. So if you buy a used car, you in essence have to have pretty much half the MG MAGA that you had previously to buy a new one. Um, Question on that. So if, yeah. if you sell your used car to a dealer, um, would the dealer basically just give you a, a higher price for it, expecting that it could pay a higher or charge a higher price to the eventual end user? So I, I, as Ian mentioned, Liz mentioned earlier, once this act was kind of placed, all electric vehicles went up seven, eight grand. <laughs> so, which they um, blamed on supply chain issues, which is factual. But um, if you look at all the cars, even the solar panels, batteries, all these items that you're getting credits for have magically gone up by the credit amount or more. So to buy them, you're actually gonna be paying probably more net than you would if this act didn't get put into service. I'm just wondering- well, I've been uh, driving an electric car for 11 years. Um, I'm yeah. wondering if the value of it went up. I, I would be hard to say because I know a used car market in general is up, but it could go up because the, the um, qualify as a clean vehicle, um, it's had to be in service for at least two years. So I, I think it could go up, but I, it really depends your market and the economy. <laughs> um, Pete, I'm just wondering, in order to get the credit, do you have to buy the second hand from a dealer if you just buy and sell privately, are you able to get the credit? Um, to see, again, there's, I haven't seen specifically that it has to be from a dealer. It's just the That's only right. stuff I've seen in red yeah. is so you it has could, to be at least two years old. So you could potentially sell it to your sister and brother and they get a credit and they sell you a, a car and you get the credit? That, that, that is how I'm seeing it, yes. Now, selling <laughs> to your, uh, your spouse or yeah. a relative that is like a direct relative, like a sibling, not your sibling, but like your child's, um, that, that would probably be stretching it. Yeah, okay, thank you. You mentioned several, you mentioned several income levels. And yeah. with, are those cliff uh, things or is it phased out like many other IRS rules? So everything I've seen is if you once you pass that threshold, you get zero. So it's well, not what, based out. What about uh, in between going down? I mean, do you have to go if you're under 150? Do you have to be? Is it ramped out? Is it phased out? No. If you make zero or 149 as a single individual, you'll still get the full credit. So yeah, it's not phased out. And then here's one other caveat too on the selling of a used. Um, 
it has to be the you you the original use commenced with a person other than a taxpayer. So that would, in essence, the taxpayer can't sell to a taxpayer their own self. But as you're asking, you could sell to a sibling. And then more likely or not, they will probably have to, my guess is they'll push it towards you have to buy it from a dealer, would be my guess. Which to Brandon, for your question, if you did a trade into the dealer, they would probably sell it more which then maybe you get a higher trade in. And I, I believe they're going to put an income limit of the car has to be 25,000 or less to buy in as a second hand. So if you buy a second hand car, you want to be 25,000 or below. Back to the properties, uh, was there any yeah. mention of opportunity zones in that bill? Um, I have, I, in the stuff I've seen, I've not seen anything with opportunity zones um, mentioned. I know opportunity zones are great if you have a giant capital gain and you don't wanna pay taxes on it, you can defer it by putting it in an opportunity zone until 2026, but I haven't seen any um, legislation for the opportunity zone, but maybe in the non-energy residential credit or the REAP credit, uh, the opportunity zone could take care of that and like blow it up to you through a, a fund that way, would be my guess. Because contractors are able to get a credit when building new houses, so. And that was mainly it for, I think, the major act, um, Inflation Reduction Act items that would affect the, this group in general. And again, I'll put this out on Discord with kind of screenshots of the high-level stuff we talked about. Um, one, one thing to, to note, if you are going to go to the dealer and buy a new car, the dealer can take partial credit and lower the price off the car right away. But when you do your tax return, you then can't claim it. So if you go into buy or if you know if people are, just really make sure they know they're modified adjusted gross income. Because a dealer could say, oh, yeah, you got to qualify and take the credit. And when it comes tax time, you may have to repay that back. So that's just kind of caveat to think in the back of your head if you go buy one. How's my audio? Is it okay? Yeah. yeah. Is okay? I, I switched rooms. It's got a better connection here. I hope. Uh, yeah. I, um, I was all set to get solar on my house uh, and expecting I got to rush it for the end of the year because it's going to go down from 26 to 22%. So I was elated when it uh, went back to 30. Um, I am not sure if this is nationwide, but another reason if you're even considering solar, uh, there's something called net metering. Uh, they had net metering one and they have net metering two right now, and it's going to go into net metering three, which is going to be a lot less favorable. So if you guys are, have any interest in going solar, I would really try to push hard. Uh, 
apparently, uh, you know, to change the net metering three, they all have to agree and they have not been doing that. The next meeting is in November and they have to give three months notice. So if, and if you get it beforehand, then you're grandfathered in for 20 years. So uh, the next meeting is in November. Let's say that they do miraculously agree. That means as long as you're installed by February, then you're going to have a much, 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 much favorable return uh, uh, with solar. So highly consider that, guys. If you're even remotely considering it, you want to get grandfathered in with net metering two before it gets to net metering three. Who is this? Go ahead. Chris, you you said there's a meeting. Who who is that group that's meeting or deciding this? Oh, it's Illuminati. It's definitely Illuminati. Um, it's, it's, uh, what, what is it? The board of, uh, I can't remember, but basically the ones who make all the decisions in terms of energy and you've got all the lobbyists in the world on solar side and on the energy company sides. I mean, it's understandable. I mean, the, the cheaper solar gets, you know, the, the electric companies to have solar themselves. There's plenty of people having rooftops with solar and, and when the sun is shining, uh, they get paid top dollar, and it's a loser for the uh, for the electric companies. So uh, they're trying to make the it less profitable, take more time for us to to pay for solar. But understandably, they're a corporation. I have no animosity against them, but my special interest is different than theirs, and I want to win. I believe that's just for California residents. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. I'm so freaking California centric. Sorry for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's spread in other states though. So more likely that, or not, we have that effect. More likely or not, your power like bill will remain the same. It just will be billed like differently. So yeah, to all my Texas friends who have like in the teens per kilowatt, they probably don't even know how much they pay for electricity because it's so damn cheap. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah top rate here is about 55 cents a kilowatt and that's considered decent so it made a lot of sense for me to go solar yeah okay now, i just wanted to go ahead chris yeah I mean, are you aware i mean tesla I, I don't know if their cars are eligible for the rebate do you know I mean, most people buy a Tesla probably not in the right income range, but uh, from when I read that it's assembled in North America, which it is, and then as long as it's getting its the parts for their batteries from a free trade country, it should qualify. Now it used to not because well, there were Toyota two issues and Tesla there. did not. Right, there are two issues there. I, I thought they had an issue that if you weren't unionized as a company, that you also were not eligible, and I thought that kicked Tesla out. Did they change that? Uh, the term was you had to pay a prevailing wage, which in essence was code in the accounting world as you have to have unions. But if you're paying union rates or higher, you're, you are paying a prevailing wage. So they should qualify. Got it. Got it. And then the second thing was, I, I isn't there, unless they've changed it, I thought it was almost no car company, electric company uh, really qualified because so many of your components are, I mean, are worldwide. I mean, lithium on its own is mostly from out of the country. Uh, yeah, that's where you have to have that free trade agreement. So if they have a free trade agreement with the United States, you can mine it in Africa, ship it here, and then assemble it in the U.S. So, 
because we'll yeah, never that, be able to make that stuff in the United States with our EPA and regulation. So. It's only the third most populous element in the in the well in the yeah. universe is lithium, but uh, yeah. it's just <laughs> expensive to mine. I get it. Correct. Yeah, the the Teslas were not um, eligible under the old credit because they had sold um, you know more than uh, the limit, which I think was like two hundred thousand or yeah. something. Two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, I squeaked um, in there. Yeah, they're two thousand eighteen yeah. purchase, but yeah, there there so is Toyota. There there is a a cost limit too on on the credit. So if if the vehicles are are particular luxury models or whatever, they're, they're going to be too expensive for the credit. Pete, uh, a question on some of the other energy saving devices, heat pumps and the like. Mm -hmm. uh, do you got any information on that? Is that under an income limitation if I want to put that in my house? If I got to price my AC uh, and I put a heat pump in instead, which upfront cost is more expensive, I mean, I'm getting 3% off of that too. I think starting in 2023, I couldn't do it this year. Is that right? Or do you know anything about that? Um, the only thing I've read is you get a $2,000 annual limit for amounts paid for a specified heat pumps, heat pump, water heaters, or biomass stoves and boilers. So I, 2000 each? 2000 annual. So oh, you'd, okay. have to, you'd have to space it out, I think. Can I buy half a heat pump at the end of the year? Um, <laughs> by the other hand, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no, but you could try it. But I wouldn't recommend it <laughs> or condone it. Hide <laughs> in pieces. Pete, Pete, going back to those income limits, uh, does that apply to an investment property? If I put solar on a rental house, does it? I have to have stay under those income rules. Those income limits were only for um, buying vehicles. The three hundred thousand per married couple for a new vehicle, and and again on the rental properties, just a caveat is that's one of the laws. The law did get rid of the requirement for it being your primary, but until we really get full IRS guidance, I wouldn't one hundred percent go that that route. I pulled up. I pulled up the law. And it says the credit would be allowed for expenditures made on any dwelling unit used by the taxpayer, not limited to primary residences. But used doesn't lend itself. That lends itself to me more like a second home or, yeah, I don't know, not like investment property. That's yeah. kind of how I read it. So maybe for short-term rentals, if you go on vacations and use it for a little bit and then ran it out the rest of the year. Or how yeah. long do you have to live there? Maybe you live there for a couple of weeks, install it, <laughs> move out. <laughs> oh. Again, that's, that, that's a good find, Matthew. So 